Hey, following Jesus family, it's so awesome to be on this platform with you again. Lovelyn, Natasha, Dale, Javas, and Dumisani. Wow, thank you so much for helping us connect through worship to God. I thought it was a special moment of worship. I particularly like, uh, I particularly like the first song that you sang that spoke about how our circumstances will never stop us from worshipping the Almighty God. Oh, that's been so beautiful. And some of us, that rings true because the past six months hasn't been easy to us. Our circumstances have shifted and our circumstances has caused a lot of pain and a lot of turmoil in our hearts. But we shouldn't be shifted. We should stand firm and trust in God always. Hey, it was awesome to see some of you face to face last week. We know that we couldn't hug. We know there were some things we wished we could have done, but we couldn't. But it was good that you came and we saw you here. And for those who were at home, we hope that you managed to connect with us and you felt like you were one with us here. We want to also apologize for some of the technical issues we had, but we understand that it ended up working better and will keep improving while we navigate these new ways of doing church. So, if you missed the sermon last week, you can go to our Facebook page or our YouTube channel and you'll find it right there. It was a beautiful message about conflict resolution and I recommend that you go and watch it and listen. Just quick announcements for this week. On the 25th, which is next Sunday, we will be back at the church property and 9 o'clock we'll be doing a prayer walk. And it will be in a form of a service where we'll still start at 9 o'clock and hope to end at 10.30. For those who'll still be praying at the time, you'll be welcome to stay on the property and continue to communicate with God. But for all of us, let's try to arrive here on time so that at 9 o'clock exactly we can start. And for you at home, we will also try to include you in one way or the other. So be on the lookout on our WhatsApp group as we will communicate how everything is going to unfold on Sunday next week. And on the 1st of November, we will be back here in the pop on the property for our face-to-face -face gathering. We hope the weather will play um, a nice, uh, nice with us so that we can meet under trees, under cool breeze, and have some fresh air while we connect with one another and hear what God has in store for us as well. But hey, I don't want to talk too much today because I'm not the one preaching. I have a good friend of mine, Nick James, Madala Nick James, who will be coming here and sharing the word of God with us. So, without wasting time, let me just invite Nick James to come join me here on stage. Nick, welcome, welcome. Good to see you, good to see you. Nick will be continuing our series in the book of Acts. Like I said earlier, um, we had Kitumets last week talking about conflict resolution, and we've been looking at different subjects every week as we navigate this book, and as we learn what God wants to say to us as a community and us as a, as a people. So Nick is continuing the series, and he's going to be taking us on a journey of a man called Paul. Paul was a man who was persecuting the church. 
Paul was a man who was a Pharisee who studied the law and knew everything about it. And Paul, on his way to Damascus, has a moment that changes his life. And for three days, he becomes blind, he can't eat, he can't see. And when God opened his eyes, he didn't just open his eyes, but he opened his mind, he opened his heart, and he received Christ as his Lord and Savior. But he didn't just receive Christ as his Lord and Savior. He started being a witness of Christ. And those who knew Paul were amazed of the changed man that he was. So we read as we continue in this series, Paul becomes on fire for Christ and Paul goes around preaching the gospel and doing other miracles. And for that, he gets into trouble. He gets arrested. He's been arrested many times, but this time he gets arrested and he goes on trial. But his trial in Jerusalem doesn't succeed. So he asked if he can be taken to Rome and to stand trial before Caesar. And they grant him that request. So Madala is going to tell us a story of Paul's journey to Rome and what happens there. And I'm looking forward to hear this because I promise you it's going to be an eye-opener for us. But before I go, let me pray for you, Madala. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for Dick James. Lord, I pray that you use his mouth to speak. Lord, I pray that you open his heart. I pray that you open his ears to be able to hear you as he speaks. Use this man this morning. Use this man to tell the message that you've prepared in his heart for your people. Amen and amen and amen. Amen. Yeah. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited about this series through the book of Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostles. And it, we tend to think, oh, that's the Apostles. I'm not, don't, don't match up to them. Um, but actually, it's a story how, of, of how we should all live under the guidance and the power of the Holy Spirit. And when I come into to Acts 27 and 28 and they're sailing, I'm on home ground. I love sailing. And uh, I also know that the dangers of sailing, and if you're in the wrong place and a storm hits you, you're shipwrecked. And that's what Acts 27 and 28 are all about. And what I think stands out for me is the way in which you see in what's recorded there how Paul um, is clearly praying every step of the way. For example, in Acts 27, um, they're about to set off on a ship. And Paul, I believe, must have been praying how this journey is going to go. And it's not going to go well. In his prayer, the Lord is, is saying to him, you're going, it's going to be dangerous, you're going to be shipwrecked, we're going to have to chuck the, all the cargo out of the boat, and you may even lose, their, lose your lives. And he tries to warn um, the owner of the ship and the captain of the ship, don't go, let's wait for, the, for um, the weather to change. But no, they must go, because the centurion's got to take Paul to Rome, and it is necessary, this is important, it is necessary for Paul to stand before Caesar, Caesar 
in Rome, and they're going by sea. Acts 27 actually contains um, an, an account of that storm. And I want to just pick up with one particular thing. Um, they've been tossed dangerously around the, uh, the Mediterranean Sea by a storm that lasted for two weeks. And they had not eaten any food in that time because you can't stop and cook food in a boat that's being chucked all over the place. And he's been praying. We need to understand one other thing. There are 276 people on board the ship. That's a lot of people. And it's not a small boat. It's a big boat. Um, and Paul is scared of what's going to happen and how this is all going to work out. And so God sends an angel to him as he is praying. And I guess he's been praying for the 276 people that they were on board, that they will all be saved. Listen to this. This very night, he says, I, uh, I beg of you to be in good spirits and take heart, for there will be no loss of life. There will be no loss of life among you, but only the loss of the ship. That's quite a change from what he started when he, uh, when he set off, uh, because um, he thought that the ship would be lost and their lives would be lost as well. And so this very night, he says, there stood by my side an angel of God to whom I belong and whom I serve and worship. And he said, do not be frightened, Paul. It is, nece it is necessary for you to stand before Caesar. And behold, God has given you all 276 people on board. There's going to be no loss of life. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith complete confidence in God that it will be exactly as, he was, as I, it was told me by the angel. But we shall have to be stranded on some island. And that's where um, Acts 28 starts. They're, they are shipwrecked on the island of Malta, and um, the local people there... Um, come onto the beach and they light fires to keep people warm and possibly to drive out from having swum to the shore. And Paul is uh, gathering wood f to fuel this fire and he is bitten by a snake and the snake is hanging out from his hand. And these people, the local people say, oh, he must be a murderer and this is now justice coming. But he doesn't swell up and he doesn't die. And then they think, oh, maybe he's a god. And... Uh, so the, 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 um, the whole thing continues. Now listen to this. They were waiting for him to die, and, but they changed their minds when he didn't die, and they kept saying over and over, he must be a god. That tells you something about the, the way in which they, that they actually know nothing about the god, our father. And in the vicinity of that place, there were estates belonging to the headman of the island named Publius, who accepted and welcomed and entertained us with hearty hospitality for three days. No food for 14 days. Now they have hearty um, <laughs> hospitality for the next three days. And it happened that the father of Publius was sick, and he goes and prays for the father, and he gets healed. Now everybody realize that there's more in Paul than just being another god. There is power in this man. He prays for uh, Publius and he gets well, and so now they all start coming to him. Um, and he's with them for three months. 
You see what's happening here? They set, he's, Paul is setting off to go to Rome, but something else is happening on the way. The shipwreck on Malta. So, so God gets Paul to talk to the people um, on that island uh, before he gets to... He's in no hurry for, for Paul to get to Rome, um, but he wants these, the, the people of the island of Malta to know the gospel. When he gets to Rome, he is set up in his, uh, in his own place by himself with a soldier to guard them, and that's pretty nice that he's, he's come through this, this rough, rough journey and he's now got a, a safe place to and a quiet place to, to, to li- carry on living. And he calls all the uh, Jews to him and he explains to them what the whole problem is. He says, I want you to talk to you about the hope of Israel, that is the Messiah. Um, and that's why I'm bound as a prisoner in chains. And he goes on talking to them. They, have a, they disagree amongst themselves. And so he says, well, okay, I'm going to talk to the, to the Gentiles. And um, he starts to tell the Gentiles for the next two years he talks to them. That's why he had to go to Rome. Because Rome, the, the Gentiles had not yet heard of Jesus as the Messiah and their Savior and how they can come into the kingdom of God. So that's where we are, all right? And what Jesus is doing is he says, I want you to go and do likewise. It really isn't the book of Acts. It's the Acts of the Apostle. is not just for the apostles. It's for all of us, all the time, to be praying all the way through one's life. Um, And I want to just uh, share with you something of my life. Um, 67 years ago, I gave my life to the Lord. And the last 39 of those years, I have come into the realization of how the Holy Spirit, just like it was doing for Paul, that he's still the same for me. The only difference is it seemed, because I don't receive any much in, in the book of Acts, they, that they weren't, well, Paul does say, pray all the time. Well, what happened to me? I was at school, about age seven, and um, the maths teacher talks complete rubbish to me, um, it seemed to me, and, and he says, he takes off his belt and he beats me. He says, why don't you just do what I tell you to do? And um, just very quickly what the story was, was we were talking about adding seven and five in the maths lesson. Seven and five makes 12, and this is what the... Uh, teacher said, you put down two and you carry one. Did you hear your maths teachers talking to you like that? And I stood up and I said, sir, I don't understand something. You, seven and the five made 12, you put down the two and you carried one. What did you do with the other nine? And he took off his belt and he beat me and he said, you stupid boy, just do what I tell you. And I thought to myself, oh, maths is a mystery. It's not for me. Fortunately for me, um, I was, we changed schools. My parents uh, to, moved and we had to go to another school. And uh, there I met a woman called Miss Catherine. And she said to me, Nick, when you see this, what do you understand? And uh, I 
what I said to her, she said, oh, we need to spend a few lunch times together to sort this one out. And she literally rescued me from my own self-opinion that I was useless at mathematics. In fact, I began to get very, very good at mathematics ever since meeting with Miss Catherine. So much so that my family, which was, uh, is a very big family, they all um, thought, you know what? Nick can do mathematics. He must become an engineer. And now at the age of 17, I'm just about, I'm moving out of high school and I'll be going to go to university to become an engineer. And um, as I'm getting closer to that, one of the teachers said to me, Nick, have you ever thought about teaching, becoming a teacher of mathematics? And I said, no. And he said to me, think about it. So I did. And I remember praying to the Lord and I said, Father, the family wants me to become an engineer. But I want to know, what do you want me to do? And I was led to the place of saying, um, I want you to become a maths teacher. And I can remember going to my father before going to university, and I said, Dad, I know you want me to go to university, and you've got a whole lot of wonderful things lined up for me to do, to become an engineer. But... I don't think I want to become an engineer. I want to become a teacher. And I remember him saying to me, Nick, that's fine. Whatever you want to do, I'll give you the best opportunities to, to achieve that. But I want you to understand one thing. You will never be wealthy as a teacher. If you were, were to go into engineering, you will become very rich. But this is where I started to go. Uh, literally, I, what I did is I set the sails of my life to follow what God made me to do and become a maths teacher. Um, what strikes me, so you see that's parallels with, with uh, what Paul is saying on this journey to Rome. I'm going to go to Rome, but what's going to happen on the way? And the same thing is now happening to me. I'm not going to go to the world of engineering. I'm going to go to become a maths teacher. And the Lord will lead me, and that had many changes on the way. Well, it became necessary. Do you hear the same thing that it became necessary for Paul to stand before Caesar in Rome? It became necessary for me to go to the UK um, to learn about what this new maths was. And um, that was a very exciting journey. It was going to be five years, and it turned out to be 23 years. And in that time... Um, I had got to uh, the university, I'm, I'm out of the classroom, and I'm now a lecturer in mathematics education um, at the Open University in the UK. And this is an amazing um, university. It has all the technology to make television to um, complement the printed study notes like uh, the University of, of uh, UNISA. Um, but we have the television as well. And I got television of children learning mathematics. And the teacher is a man called Jeff. And he's, he says to the pupils, kids, when you go home, wherever you are, if you find a situation where um, you're going to be needing fractions, um, bring that situation to us and we will uh, see what, uh, how it goes, how we can solve that. Well, the next day, a girl called Samantha 
comes in and she's got a really mean look on her face. And, and, and Jeff goes up to her and says, Samantha, what's the matter? Why are you looking so angry? She said, we had sausages for breakfast this morning. There are eight sausages in the pound. And this is what my father did. He gave each person, there are five of us in the family, he gave each one of us one sausage. And then he cut the remaining three sausages into halves. So now there are six half sausages. And he gave all five of us one half sausage. And then do you know what he did? He ate the other half himself. And that's why I'm so angry. So Jeff says, well, what could you have done about that? And she goes into an explanation that was absolutely fantastic. It, would, it had in her whole description everything that I can ever remember teaching pupils about fractions coming from Samantha. So I'm so excited about what's got caught on, on the television of this Samantha and the sausages that I come running around to the, to the classroom, cut the corner around the corner, and I bang straight into the headmaster. And he's shaking his head. He's saying, I don't know. It's absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I said, Mervyn, that was the name of the head teacher. I said, isn't that fantastic? He said, yes, it is, Nick. I'm going to my office right now. I'm going to go and um, tear up all the paperwork that I have just finished filling in for Samantha to go to a school for um, uh, um, problematic learners, people who don't find it easy to learn. And he said, I'm going to tear it all up. That girl is absolutely brilliant. Now, I was telling this story at an international maths conference, maths education conference, and somebody in the audience stood up and said, Nick, can I tell you the end of that story? And she stood up and she said, we at Blackthorne Middle School had a half-term holiday only a week ago because Samantha had become the first woman graduate of the Polytechnic, the University at Northampton, to become an engineer. Isn't that amazing? I had to be taken all the way to Britain to come into contact with this technology and the Open University, and this girl is saved. And the same thing that's on my heart, I knew what it was like to be classed as a child that had learning difficulties. And then I come right. I've seen that happen with Samantha. And now the Lord is saying um, to me, go back to South Africa, to all those people in the schools where they had to teach, although it was not their mother tongue, to teach. Um, they were speaking Tsetswana or Zulu or all of the ten, all of the nine languages, all of the eight languages. But they had to, at school, the apartheid government had said, you will have to do all your teaching in English or Afrikaans. Man, that's a way of saying to a child who only speaks Hitswana, um, you you've got to first learn concepts in your own mother tongue and then learn to transfer to all sorts of other languages. And he's saying to me, Nick, you have now got the ability to articulate what makes for good maths teaching and you also have lots of pictures to show what that looks like. Go to South Africa and become like, like David. Become like David and go to slay the giant of bad education and mathematics. Why is that so important? If you haven't got maths, 
it, it rules out 150 different um, careers that you could do if you ha had only understood maths. And so I come back to South Africa after 23 years. But before I get there, I just want to say one or two things about the on the way to the, um, in the journey of my life. Um, just like on the way, Malta, something powerful happened in Malta on the way to Rome. On the way to becoming a maths teacher and people, somebody helping those in South Africa who are struggling with maths, um, other things are happening. Let me give you an example. I'm traveling, I'm doing all these talks all over England uh, and, and Scotland, and um, as I'm going on the way, I'm getting on a train in London to go down to Plymouth, which is quite a long journey. And uh, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, Lord, you said I'm with you always. So when I get on this train, you're here with me. And I'm making myself available to be hands and feet for you, um, to, to make my voice, my tongue available for you to speak to, do anything that you want to do. So I'm sitting there in the chain, and the chains in, in the UK are all open. There are no compartments like ours have. It's all open. And I'm sitting there, and there's a row of seats facing me, uh, in front of me. And a young guy gets on the boat, and I say, is there something you want to do with this young guy? And the, I got nothing from the Lord. So you see what's happening? I'm praying as I go along. And, uh, and I'm not surprised that he had nothing to say with him, because at the next station he got off, that's where he was going to work. But an elderly woman gets on with the biggest suitcase I have ever seen. And so much so that I leap up and I help her put her heavy suitcase into the place where you can store all, all the, the these heavy baggage. And I sit down and I say, so, Lord, is there something you want to say to this woman? And he said, yes, there is. I want you to go down to the canteen carriage and buy her a cup of tea. Now, you just don't do that sort of thing in England. They all sit there and they don't talk to anybody and so on. But that's what the Lord said to me. So I get up and I go down all the way through to the uh, canteen carriage and I come back with two cups of tea, one for this woman and one for me. And I hand her this tea and I said, Ma'am, you've had such a long journey with a big heavy suitcase. I think you need a cup of tea. Here's one for you. She says, you must be an angel. And I thought to myself, it's what you think I am, but you don't know who sent me. Jesus Christ, to whom all power and authority. I didn't say that to her, but that's what I knew. Okay, On the way, halfway down to Plymouth from London, um, the bridge across the River Tay near Plymouth is, has come down in a storm. It's been washed away. So British Rail very kindly we stop this side of, of uh, the Tamar River, and they, British Rail have provided buses, and we get onto these buses. And on the, but before we got to that, uh, to that river, um, Ed, the woman's name is Edna Briscombe, and um, we've now introduced ourselves, and she's saying um, how she had just come back from India, where she had gone to, to uh, be with her guru, and she was coming back absolutely having had a wonderful time together. And I go, oh, you want me to talk to this woman about, about this? 
And so I just go on listening, and we come to the river, and the down, the bridge that's down, and the train, the buses take us round, go across a road bridge, and we pick, uh, pick the train up the other side. And whilst I'm, I help her with her luggage to get onto the uh, bus, and, to, and later to get off it, and I'm sitting behind her, and I said, Lord, what do you want me to say? And the Holy Spirit reminds me of something that he, I had read. I didn't even remember it. He reminds me of Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. And it says there, it is given once for man to die, then judgment. And I said to Edna, how do you account for this scripture um, and uh, in the light of what you've got from your guru about reincarnation? And well, she didn't blow up in anger or anything like that. That was the end of the story. And somehow I exchanged my um, uh, address details with Edna, and we part our ways. Do you know that at Christmas, I got a card from Edna Briscombe. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And I thought to myself, you don't send that if you're into Hinduism. You don't do that if you, uh, unless you believe that's, that's not a card that uh, somebody who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ and his ability to, through what he did on the cross, to give us eternal life if we would just believe in him. And I opened up the card and inside she said, God knows every little sparrow that falls and he saw me when I fell, but he got you to pick me up and I want you to know I'm back in the Methodist church where I've always been. Isn't that the most beautiful story? And that was just on the way um, in my teaching maths career. There are many stories like that. Um, and what I'm trying to say here is that Paul prayed. He, his prayer told him that there was going to be a terrible journey and there could even be loss of life. He prays again, and the angel comes and says, uh, God has given you all 276 lives. And so it goes on. The whole of the book of Acts is full of these kind of stories, that on the way there was a person who had never walked, um, but they, he says, grabs him by the hand and lifts the guy up, and he says, walk. Uh, and Jesus heals. Nothing's changed if we will just pray all the way. Jesus said, I'm with you until the end of the age. Um, and all power and authority in heaven and earth is given to me. And he breathes on them. And they receive the Holy Spirit. And the same power that was available to Jesus, that is available, was available to all the acts of the apostles, is available to me, is available to every one of you. But we all sin, including Paul. Paul writes to Timothy and he says, I am foremost among sinners. So he's, he has the same problems that all of us have. We will always sin. And when we sin, the Bible says, your iniquities have caused a separation between you and your God. And if, when that happens, he says, I'm just not listening to your prayers. Well, when we're going to pray, do we stop first of all and say, Lord, I have sinned, but I, and I ask you to forgive me. Because in 1 John 1, 9, he says very clearly, if I freely admit that I have sinned 
and confess those sins, he, God, the Father, is faithful and just to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. What did I say? I said from all unrighteousness. That means I'm now in perfect right standing with God simply because he's forgiven me my sin. And why is he faithful and just to do that? Because Jesus' blood had been sacrificed to pay the price for my sins and all of yours, including Paul's. So I reckon that Paul is praying something like before he starts asking for the lives of the 276 people on board the ship, um, I reckon he must have started his prayer meeting saying, Lord, I am foremost amongst sinners. You know that. Please will you forgive me on the basis of what Jesus has done. And he is forgiven and he's forgiven and set free. Paul told the captain of the ship and the owner, don't go, but they didn't listen. I wonder what, uh, I want to tell you a story of how, because I didn't listen, I too wound up shipwrecked on the Stokefontein Dam. I had Leonard and his son with me, Leonard Makandawiri, who I love as a Christian brother, and his son of um, 10 years old. And a storm got up, and the waves were driving us onto the rocks, so we pulled up the anchor, and our plan was, my plan was to go around the headland and park the other side. So now I've got land between the wind, then the land, and now I'm protected. At the moment, I've got the wind, and it's beating me. It's on this, I'm anchored on this side of the, the, the land, and I'm about to be dashed on the rocks. And as I pull up the anchor and I set off, um, clear in my thought was, don't go around the other side. Sail across the dam to a light that I could see on the other side, and there you will find safety. That was the Holy Spirit talking to me, and I didn't listen, and I wound up just missing the rocks. The grace of God made the shipwreck. I ran aground on mud. 50 meters away, there was rocks which would have completely destroyed the boat. So it makes me wonder, in what... A, What's happened in your lives where because you refused to listen to what God is, was offering you, because you were doing everything your way and, um, and you wouldn't listen, and as a result you found yourself shipwrecked in, the, in your life? What can you do to come back to Jesus? Just freely admit that you have sinned, you messed up, and God, um, the grace of God, by the power of his Holy Spirit, comes to you and he says, it's okay, all your faults have been forgiven because of what Jesus did on the cross when he died for you, shedding his blood to pay the price for your sins. And then Paul asks, Father, now will you fill me, having been made thus clean, will you fill me afresh with your Holy Spirit? I want to pray for the 276 people. And the angel comes and says, you don't worry, you've got all 276 saved. What I think the, this, these two chapters are really saying and everything that I've told you 
is really saying to us, we, we must start every time we want to come into the presence of the Lord. We've got to restore the relationship that we had where he is with us and listening to us and listening to our prayers. And we do that restoration by thinking about 1 John 1, 9. Father, I have sinned. And I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness, just as that scripture says. Oh, cleansed from all unrighteousness. Now, Father, will you give me your Holy Spirit? Because I know that the Spirit of God, Spirit of Jesus Christ, takes the thoughts of the Father and he gives them to me. He took the thoughts of the Father. I will give you all 276 people. And he gives that knowledge to Paul. You'll all be saved. He, he, he gives the, the knowledge to Paul, having prayed, what, 1 John 1, 9, having prayed, you must go to Rome. And uh, Julius is here to be the centurion who will take you there. So let me pray. I want to ask if there are those of you who have lost your sense for relationship with God, Father, would you just help everybody who's in that position because they have sinned, they've lost their relationship, that close, intimate relationship with the Father. Show them 1 John 1, 9. Father, forgive them and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. If I'm praying that to you, and it's you I'm praying for, receive that forgiveness. And if you don't know Jesus as in that intimate way, but want to do that, Father, I ask that you would send your Holy Spirit to people who do not yet know this, of this intimate relationship with Jesus, that you will show them the truth that Jesus' blood has paid for all their sins. Just come and admit that I, they have sinned and enable them to receive Jesus into their hearts, forgiven and set free. Amen. Thanks. Hey, Madala, I want to thank you, Nick James. You are such a beautiful storyteller. You have so many tales to tell that connects you with your journey of, I don't know how many years of following Jesus. And one can listen to you forever and ever. But hey, there's something that you've said that struck me. And I want to talk to you at home about the same thing. What are the shipwrecks that you find yourself in where it has been your fault that you are in those situations, where you didn't listen, where you were stubborn, and now you're finding yourself in a mess that you somehow can't get yourself out of. You know, I love the fact that we serve a Messiah. We serve a God of grace, a God of second chances, a God of forgiveness. A God who when we mess up and we run back to him, not from him, when we run to him, this is how he stands. When we welcome, when we run to him, he, he stands with his 
arms wide open. In fact, he meets us halfway. He comes running towards us and he says, come my child. I know you've caused the shipwreck. I know you've, you have, it's your fault. I know you sinned in this situation. But if you say sorry, guess what? Your sin will be thrown as far as east is from the west. And I will never remember it again. That's the God we serve. So what kind of shipwrecks are you finding yourself in right now? Did you go through shipwrecks that have changed the course of your life? I'm here this day to encourage you. You might not know how to get out of those shipwrecks, but there is one who can take you out of those shipwrecks. There is one who can walk with you in those shipwrecks. You know, God went with Paul and everybody in the boat. He was with them in the shipwreck. And when we invite God to come be with us in our own mess, in our own shipwreck, like he took Paul and everyone out alive and safe, God can do the same for us. So why don't you invite God in your shipwreck? Invite him in your shipwreck. Let him come, hold your hand in the mess that you find yourself in. Hey, sometimes it's important for us to check how we behave when the times of storms come. Because our reaction will determine everything. We see Paul through a shipwreck. He goes to God. He prays to God. He understands that they've messed up. Though it was not his fault, but he prays on behalf of others. Have you seen people who've caused damage in their own lives and you've prayed for them? Or you've said, you know what, it's your own mess, fix it. Look at Paul. It was not his mess. He tried to warn them. But guess who's on his knees praying for safety of everybody? It's Paul. That's God making us his witnesses in this life. The book of Acts is making us witnesses to say, I want you to stand in the gap for others. Where? In Jerusalem, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Madala, thank you so much for challenging us with this story. Thank you. The last thing I want to ask you about the shipwreck is that sometimes the shipwrecks will change the course of our lives and drive us straight into our purpose. Look at Paul. The shipwreck took them to Malta. Malta. And what happened in Malta? People were saved. People were healed. People got to glorify God. So some of the shipwrecks in our lives are not just there because they are there. They are there to change the course of our lives. They are there to change our destination. They are there to change our purpose and remind us of why we exist. Yes, when the shipwrecks come, they are uncomfortable. Yes, it will be rough. Yes, it will be confusing. And sometimes it will feel like an inconvenience. But guess what? The same way God pulled them through, God will pull you through. God will reveal the reasons for your shipwreck. God will strengthen you through the shipwrecks. So if you are going through the shipwreck in your life that you think might be too much for you to handle, maybe coronavirus has done that. Maybe coronavirus has been the worst shipwreck of your life because it has messed up your marriage, it has messed up your job, it has messed up your family, it has messed up your kids, it has messed up your finances. Maybe. But I'm here to encourage you this morning. 
invite God in your shipwreck. Ask him to hold your hand in the shipwreck. Ask him to navigate this with you and guide you. Because everything is possible with him. Everything is possible with him. Hey, thank you, Nick James. Thank you, Nick James. And I hope this was helpful for everyone at home. Let's continue praying and let's come next week ready to pray and be here and serve God and serve one another. Hope to see you next week. Until then, much love. Shosho, love you.